Welcome back to Wake Up Windin, where I'm coming to you from a whole nother time-space continuum. I'm your host, Brian Hickey, and today I'm going to be covering the penultimate episode of Season 2 of The Beforeners. So this show has been really fantastic, and then a whole other twist at the end of this episode. I was thinking about the end of the episode, and uh, everything we've seen through the first 11 episodes of the series is out the window, right? <laughs> uh, I, it looks like everything might be thrown into into a loop. I'm reminded of some other shows I want to talk about. Uh, brief spoilers for either Dark or Game of Thrones. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about those two shows as we were discussing this one, but if you've seen Dark, and I know my show covered Dark, and some of you might have listened to my first show about Dark, but I'm really reminded, I think it was the end of season two, and they have um, tried to give you a little bit of time for some spoilers if you want to get out of here. But anyway, at the end of season two, uh, we have a whole new world gets introduced at the in the last episode, and we had to wait a year and a half for that. So at least we get to see, you know, very shortly after we could watch episode six. I'm doing a watch quite a quite a bit after it was released, but. Holy cow. Okay, what in the world is going to happen after Al Fielder and Jack the Ripper almost connect? Uh, they, they, uh, Al Fielder's about to punch him in the face, and it throws everything off. We see a big explosion, and it's the end of the episode. So I'm uh, really excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, King Olaf will fulfill his destiny of becoming the leader of a choir, a fancy choir. Okay, now I know he's gonna be the king, right? According to the Volva, boy, will she be? Uh, will she be redeemed after this? He was—he had enough of the Volva. Um, the Game of Thrones reference I wanted to make. This one, I mean, this isn't this isn't too major, but the Volva is like such a clear parallel to Melisandre, right? Where she's uh, telling King Stannis like that she's gonna that he she sees him in the fire that he's winning a battle at Winterfell. Uh, it turns out not to be the case, right? And for this show, I think we're kind of set up that way, right? Uh, he was the Volva was leading King Olaf astray instead of King Stannis, but uh, you know she might be right in the end <laughs> after after we see what happens between Elfielder and Jack the Ripper. So yeah, apparently uh, if two time travelers meet going forwards and backwards, it's gonna cause a huge rift. Hopefully uh, they don't go back to the beginning and kill that first creature that came out of the sea. I think that would be a, that'd be tough. I think you'd have to to pinpoint that exact moment in time. You'd have to be a really genius to figure that out. I think, huh? Um, so anyway, let's back up. Let's uh, talk about the episode in the in the total. So at the beginning of the episode. We have the priest running in with the with the bottle, and I don't know about you guys. I thought it was he was going to do something a little more sinister. I thought he was going to like attack King Olaf. I thought this was going to be sort of an assassination attempt. We've seen the priest in previous episodes. Um, he's kind of like uh, kind of like a I was going to say like an NPC character in a video game, uh, where he's like kind of in the background of some of the shots on the street. He is going to bring the water to uh, the the bottle to mass and he's sitting in on the mass and 
they are honoring King Olaf. He's helping with the baptism. And uh, you see uh, the priest. He's and it, you, you get the impression that he's a time immigrant, right? That he's from the 1800s. He goes and siphons, like uh, like he's siphoning some gas. He siphons some of the holy water. And you're thinking, okay, where's this going? And he tells, uh, he meets up with what we found out, who we found out is Nessie, Nessie Olsen, the last of the three women that Jack the Ripper is hunting. And he tells her he's got it. It's like certified by King Olaf himself. So they have this plan that they're going to set into action. Couldn't go wrong, right? Uh, so King Olaf, meanwhile, he is enjoying the spoils at that church, right? He's We're going to come back to King Olaf in a little bit, but he's like taking pictures, like... Uh, with some girls that are that want to take photos with them, and he's all too happy to oblige in this case. So uh, let's let's note that for now. That did happen at the end of the scene there. Anyway, we have Jack the Ripper, and he ends up going to a hotel. Uh, it looks like a hotel, right, or a hostel, something like that. And he goes to the front office, and he asks the woman there that he's here to see Nancy Olson. He knows her room number. I think it's like three or four or something. And she informs him that, uh, oh yeah, and by the way, she's expecting you. And you see him do it, she's expecting me. Like, this wasn't part of the plan, but he's kind of like invincible, right? Uh, you can see that bullets can't phase him. <laughs> so he feels like he can't really be stopped. So he's like, all right, see where this leads me. So he goes in, John Roberts, that is, he goes into room 304, and she's on the bed, and... There was kind of a curious line where he's like, uh, you don't look like, you don't look the same. I'm wondering if, is, could this be a fake Nessie Olsen? I uh, don't get any other clues later on in the episode that that's the case, but just wanted to flag that one. And she uh, is showing him that she has a secret weapon this time, the Bible. And he's like, he's like you're going to have to come with me. And the priest comes out, right? And... The music changes, and he's doing, like, a Latin incantation uh, with the cross being pointed at him, and it's very dramatic, and I, I was digging it. I thought it, was, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really intense, but uh, Jack the Ripper he's, uh, senses a comedic moment here, and he starts withering uh, that when they spray the holy water. I forgot to mention, of course, the holy water's key here. The holy water that he got from King Olaf, and he's spraying it on him, and as he's doing this, Jack the Ripper's going down to the ground like, ah, no, melting, melting, like he's the Wicked Witch of the West. And I do have to, I'm going to, I'm going to critique that. Well, how could they know? They thought that, they think their plan works, right? This was maybe the one opportunity you could get to like catch him off guard. And if she would have shot him right here, maybe while he's like doing his play acting, that could have been the end of Jack the Ripper. Uh, but they don't know it's a joke. He's like, sorry, I couldn't resist. And he kind of throws the priest out of the way. And he's the priest is behind him now. And when uh, Nessie goes to shoot him, he very like you see a repeated thing that we're gonna see in the show that people that can time travel forward and backwards, they can just like matrix style get out of the way of the bullet. So he kind of does like this swift like pullback, and then it like speeds up again and you see the bullet go into the priest's forehead and it's very visceral. Um, you know, of course it'd be much worse in real life, but still it's, it's, it's shocking in the show. And he is, this is the, you know, obviously this is horrible news for Nessie and we cut away from the scene, but Jack the Ripper has taken Nessie now 
and staying with his storyline, he's going to call the police station. And he wants to speak to the chief of the police. And we see a different uh, foreigner, a different uh, maybe either Norse or the same one as Navin in the first season, The same maybe from the same time period as Navin in the first season. She answers the phone and she's a dispatcher, I guess you'd call, you'd call her, at, uh, working for the police. And she kind of dismisses it as a prank call. And later on, we see them, like, she must have ran it up the line because we see the chief of police. Uh, he wants to speak with the chief of police, Greta. And she is in on the meeting with him. And it turns out that what Jack the Ripper really wants is Henry Black, who has made his way back to England, right? He's with Precious Clark again. And so they have this hostage demand. And Greta's like, we don't deal in human trades. There's no way we're going to do this. But Henry Black is considering it. And ultimately, it seems like the Norwegian police leave it up to the English police to make the call, right? You see later on, Alfielder's like, leave it to them. This is what happens when they play hero. So they're going to set up this whole operation. And we'll come back to we'll come back to it in a little bit, but let's stay with Jack the Ripper and how it ties in with him. Uh, the operation is pretty uh, pretty in-depth. There's a lot of kind of secrets that go on with that too. But the big kind of bombshell here, Henry Black eventually, he disappears from view of the agents, even though Lars and Elfielder will follow him. But he gets out of sight of them and he goes into the subway. Uh, and he's following Jack the Ripper's orders, John Roberts. And they go. he goes into the tunnel, and he tells him to go east into the tunnel. And Henry Black's like, okay, I'm going to get run over by a train. And right when he says that, all the lights shut off, and Jack the Ripper's like, not anymore. So he goes to the meeting spot. And John, Johnny Boy's just waiting there. And it turns out that they actually knew each other. Uh, he mentions his backhand, so a little tennis reference is what I'm thinking there. They used to play tennis together, so you could see there's kind of like a friendly relationship between these two. Uh, it turns out he was a temporal agent that was sent back in time. He was part of Project 19, and he was a real lifer for Project 19, because what he says is the man upstairs screwed him, so... I guess when he's coming back, uh, this is going to be key, I think, in the last episode. Whoever their boss was, maybe at MI6 or at the Scotland Yard, he did something that really upset Jack the Ripper, <laughs> John Roberts, that turned him into Jack the Ripper, even though he says he always was him. Uh, but it's really messed up because he takes this out on, you know, countless victims, and he becomes Jack the Ripper. And at first he says it was to cover up because the girls were going to expose P-19, Project 19, which Lars has discovered uh, in a drug binge later on in the episode. But anyway, he said he's getting this guy back. He said he's getting his boss back. So I'm wondering if we're going to get reference to this again in the last episode. I'm kind of thinking we will. Uh, or we might leave it unsolved. It might just be a totally different plot line. I would not be surprised if we're in a completely different world and a lot of things are left unanswered. That would be interesting. This could be our last time in this world. Hmm. Oh boy, just just crossed my mind. A lot of unanswered questions, if that is the case. Why did he kill these girls, too? He said uh, he said he needed guinea pigs to uh, deal with his time travel experiments, and maybe from the clues at the beginning of the episode, 
uh, from his videos, maybe he does want to pinpoint that exact moment in time where he wants to stop everything from happening in humanity. Uh, all the suffering, all the pain, the Holocaust uh, could be avoided, right? If he stops that first sea creature uh, from coming out of the sea and going onto land. Um, I countered that that was going to be very tough, but maybe he's thinking like it's the ends to the means. If I am able to accomplish this, their suffering never happens. Uh, it's a really dark, dark line to follow, right? And uh, so he's doing this too. And then they're like, but what about the other girls at Chapel Hill? Because, you know, there's other victims too. And he's like, don't you understand? I was always Jack. And it's kind of like a really like sinister version of Harry Potter. Like, I thought I saw my dad <laughs> when he uh, became himself, when he saw himself, uh in the Prisoner of Azkaban, spoilers for Harry Potter, and he sees himself, like, across the lake, but he thinks it's his dad. Uh, he No, it always was him. Same thing with freaking Jack the Ripper here. He is, uh, he's like, no, it always was me. He's like, you know what? Uh, and it's, like, kind of like a paradox first. Like, uh, was it, did it always happen? Like, uh, it's kind of like whatever happened, happened, right? Like, uh, to borrow a lost term, too. Uh, but really uh really messed up that this, this guy from the present he is probably he knows about jack the ripper right like you might encounter him you might watch a piece of pop culture that discusses him and you know way too much about jack the ripper uh but i digress but he is he's uh he's become jack the ripper he always was jack the ripper you have to be a pretty messed up person to do this in the first place right uh to uh, mutilate these poor women and uh, he said us to cover his tracks and like he needed he needed bodies to experiment with but Jesus Christ man this is uh this is brutal Jack just brutal uh Henry Black is like you know this ends now and he tries to shoot him and you know we know how this goes from dealing with the priests in the beginning of the episode and he's able to well we see it off screen actually because Elfielder and Lars stumble upon the body later on in the episode now um, on to where Outfielder is. And by the way, uh, Nessie, according to Jack the Ripper, is dead. Now there is, we don't see it, right? Like in TV shows, like you don't see the body. Is she really dead? We will see. And also there is that little thread that she looks a little different and she was calmer than the other girls. Could she be like an agent sent by the Neo-Luddites? Could be. That's... It's a little prediction. Maybe I'll leave out there for season for the end of, for the end of season two. Um, all right, so let's go to Alfielder and Lars. So funny scene at the beginning of the episode, and it leads into the "Ain't No Love" montage, uh, the fairy edition I wrote down, because we have uh, they're going to the time migration area where um, new people have, are coming in, new foreigners are coming in. They want more information about the three women from the printouts. But on their way over, we have a discussion about the hippocampus. And uh, Elf Fielder is telling Lars how smart she is now and how her readings were off the charts and she can sense little things. She feels like she's like some sort of superhuman. And she says she could understand every single bit of uh, John, Jack the Ripper's... Uh, Jack the Ripper's... <laughs> John john roberts's lecture uh so anyway l fielder she's like trying to get lars to prove it he asks her like a basic english question she's like too easy give me something hard and he tells her to summarize john roberts lecture and she gives just a wonderful description 
And she also says that he has some misogynistic tendencies uh, towards his female students. And then Lars is like, what the hell? And I had paused, I'd paused it at this moment, but Elfielder's smile, though uh, Krista Kosanen's smile is so broad here. It's such like a shitty grin. It's amazing. Uh, and she's like, I told you, I'm an effing genius. So I thought that was awesome. I thought it was really funny. Uh, she, uh, the chemistry that these two actors have is really good. And uh, I just, I really enjoyed that. So that was a good line that she had. And it was fun to see her. You know, like a moment of levity in the show. So anyway, they're going to the time migration place, right? And they learn a few pieces of information there. They want to know the origins of the three women from the printouts that they found at the farm that they raided. So they find out that these women were uh, of British descent. And the reason they didn't get sent back to England is because uh, one of them had a connection. And they resisted, be, uh, they resisted wanting to go back. Now... Uh, if we go back to the first episode, and I haven't done this yet, but I'm almost positive if you go back to the first episode, like, these were the three women in the bar that you're made to believe that they're running from, uh, that they're running from Ben Joseph, but they're talking about one of them knows that they know somebody over, they know somebody in a foreign land. I think, did they even reference Norway? I'm not sure, but they know somebody in a foreign land, and obviously that foreign land would be Norway. I think that's, these are the three women from the first episode, right? So... I also wanted to note while they were walking into this time migration place that there's some like peaky blinders looking guys, uh, some like <laughs> sinister British looking guys in uh, you know those 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 hats that that people wear. A terrible description, uh, but it's kind of I don't know what to describe. They kind of have like a bill and like they're like old timey. Uh, I don't know, can't describe it. Uh, but anyway, they who were those guys watching them? Like, what were we supposed to take from that? Uh, I don't know if anybody has any info on that. Wakeupwinden at gmail.com. Um, so we did get, uh, when the English police come back, we do see Alex picking them up. And Alex does have kind of a pretty big part in this because he's conspicuously missing from the operation that happens later. And there's a key bit of information when we see Henry Black and Precious Clark have a meeting when they eventually go on to the operation right before it. First, we see Wenke fielding a call from Alex. He's called in sick. She's like, what the hell? This isn't the time to do this. And in the very next scene, Henry Black and Precious Clark are talking to each other. And she's like, are you worried about this? And he's not worried, but she's like, we'll have the temporal agent ready just in case. I've alerted our, the Norwegian, uh, our Norwegian affiliates, right? So Alex has been working with them. And it's got to be him, right? He's got to be the agent. Like, the show isn't just going to have him call in sick because, you know, that's what happens with humans. But, no, this, this had, there has to be something more with this. So, theoretically, Alex could time travel. You know, in an alternate universe, will he be in on the secret as well? I don't know. But he's got, he's, like, been kind of, like, a minor character. Like, has, like, you know, like, two or three minutes of screen time each episode. But he does have a pretty big role, and I've been trying to flag his, um, you know, the what he's been doing throughout the season. So um, good to see a little bit of payoff here, I think. I think we're going to see it at least in episode six. Good to see more clues, though. So uh, since Lars and Alfielder did really good police work in the last episode and in this episode, uh, be, uh, with the aid of some eye drops from Lars, but don't worry, he is under Alfielder's supervision. So everything's totally okay. 
we see him looking in the mirror when he does the eye drops and he turns into Odin. And this was like a better version of Odin. Like Odin was smiling, you know, like he is Odin, so he's not getting hit with the stick. That's great. And he's smiling and he comes out and he is wearing sunglasses, a leather jacket, and he is like the epitome of cool guy Lars, right? So <laughs> Elfielder is like, whoa. Uh, and he takes her to, like, this secret room he has, this proxy server with, like, a different computer setup. Like, he's, like, freaking Jason Bourne. And he goes and, uh, you know, they have, like, kind of a montage. And, you know, he's, like, typing and, you know, figuring things out. He's smoking a cigarette. And, you know, he cuts to the next morning. And he's like, oh, what did we find out? So, like, this guy blacked out. and But he found out about Project 19, right? He, that's what... Uh, he doesn't really know what it is, but he found it maybe on, like, some message board. I don't know, like, MI6, keep your stuff together. Like, what's going on here? How did this leak? I guess maybe, like, that's what you can find on the dark web. I don't know. I don't know how he... Uh, he just locked in the eye drops, helped him. He's like, if I'm going to delve deeper into this case, I'm going to need the eye drops. <laughs> and it was good to see his neighbor as he walked past, uh, as he walked past to the proxy server. Uh, we see his neighbor from the last season, who was uh, kind of a bigger character. And he's like, whoa, what's going on with you, Lars? So that's what gets them, their good detective work gets them back on the case, right? And it's much to the chagrin of the British cops. They, they are not happy about this. Uh, they, uh, we finally see their motive, right? Like, I was questioning, like, why is this happening? It's because they want to keep this Project 19 under wraps. And, you know, wouldn't you if, like, uh, hey, sorry, we accidentally unleashed Jack the Ripper on the world. Uh, and, uh, by the way, he's back in our time now. So, not good, not good. Uh, the people in 1890 can do very little about it, but, uh, sorry, uh, this is bad. So, when the mission's going on, I already talked about Henry Black leaving. We'll talk about Lars and Elfielder's point of view as well. So, Elfielder and Lars are watching, and they're trying to, you know, take orders from Harold and Greta, the chief, but Harold, you know, he's always one step behind. He was like, will somebody please explain to me what's going on? So, like, that's, like, classic Harold. But in this in this case, he's, like, telling Lars to stand down, even though they don't have eyes on him. And eventually, Lars is like, this is ridiculous. We can't even see him. And he's going rover. And uh, Elfielder's, like, trying to tell them, but she's breaking up. She's like, oh, we're chasing him. Uh, they're like, go back. And she's like, negative, we're chasing him. Uh, this is too important. So... That ends up happening, and when they come upon Henry Black, Alfielder is like, oh, no, I'm going to get you. And she goes up to Jack the Ripper, who's walking away, and he's like, trust me, love, this will be much better if you, for both of us if you walk away. And she's not going to let it happen. He turns around, and he tries to shoot her. She moves, and he's like, oh, you're like me. You know, she does his Matrix move. And so she runs at him, and he's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen if space uh if we meet this will be interesting for the space-time continuum she's like fuck your space-time continuum and probably the best line of the show and she like runs and does like a power punch at him and like we said it has caused this big explosion uh that we can only assume is uh you know gonna lead to an alternate world so i'm really pumped for your episode six this is gonna be wild all right now Somebody who is uh, going to be glad that there's going to be an alternate world because they were dying at the time is King Olaf. So let's back up for King Olaf. 
uh, you know, the vulva last episode, not a good influence. She has given him a habit here that he is not able to break, right? You know, we see, saw him enjoying the, the good times at the church in the beginning, the, the pictures, the baptisms, people, people wanting to see him, right? Uh, now he's at home. And he's, uh, I think he's gotten, like, subpoenaed again, right? Like, they're, uh, they're, like, filing an appeal. And again, like, there's so much going on in this time that he is, uh, just so upset about all these rules, countersuits, uh, you know, supervisors when you have to drive. All of it is too much for him. He, like, yearns for a simpler time. But anyway, he's praying. And when he's praying now, he needs to pray with his cocaine. So he's doing the coke. And, uh, Madeline comes home. And, you know, she's not too judgy at first, right? Until he starts uh, mansplaining about her genes. And so he's talking about her genes, and he's like, they're ungodly. Uh, those trousers are not un uh, those tr trousers are not godly. And she's like, you're talking to me about trousers? You're doing cocaine in the middle of the day. What in the world, you know? And uh, this leads him to dump her, to break up with her. Uh, you saw that she's been falling out of favor. He's been getting closer with the vulva. He knows that Al Fielder is the key. And he's like, uh, Madeline, perhaps not as important as he once thought. And he's just kind of over it. So he dumps her. And this was the wrong thing to do because Madeline, she is vindictive, right? And you see it in a scene where she's getting comforted by her friends, right? Ingrid walks out and we have her two flatmates that remind her, hey, aren't you the one that shared Perry's dick pics? And she has a great line where she's like, it's not, he's not Perry. Like, right? Like she's never going to meet a man like King Olaf the Stout. And like, yeah, like uh, it's going to be hard to go back in time and meet like the most famous like saint in Norwegian history. Like that's a pretty rare thing. So maybe she does have a point there. But anyway, uh, this does like give her an idea like, come on, what dirt do you have on him? Do you have anything you could do? Uh, we don't see, like, the plan going to action, but we know it's going to happen, right? Like, we've already seen, like, King Olaf plant the head of, uh, in Tor Hun's place, and, you know, justice is served to him, too. So, she calls about the cocaine. It's planted there. Uh, we know the police are going to search it. And it comes at a bad time for Olaf, right? He's at another church. And this one's a little dingy, right? It's sad. It's a little sad. Uh, I've it, it reminds me of like the church common area like that I used to go to when I was growing up, so like I could relate to it, right? And King Olaf is like, "What has happened to the church? Like I should be surrounded by women and gold." And uh, it's very much not that, right? He's like at the point where he needs coke to like get through any social situation, so he's like going to the bathroom and he's snorting more lines there. And when he comes out, you know, there's uh, bad news. Bad news is happening he, uh, on the news. Like, his house is getting raided. And they can't go back there, obviously. And the, uh, I don't know what he, the priest, he comes out. And uh, the leader of the church, con the congregation there comes out. And he's like, obviously, we have to dissociate with you. Which would mean giving up the keys to the mansion house, right? King Olaf can't believe it. He's like... I raised this church, like, I built it up from the ground up a thousand years ago. How could you do that to me? And it's like, ah, it's kind of a PR thing, Olaf, sorry. And, you know, he starts bleeding from the nose. He storms out. He can't even drive home because he needs a supervisor. <laughs> and he's just like, this time, man, this time. Anyways, he drives off anyway, and he goes to the Volva's house. And the Volva is kind of, like, shaking in her boots because... 
everything's going wrong and he's blaming her for it like uh this is all your fault like you told me that uh i'd be king i'm nowhere close to being king how would I, how is that going to work in this time which is what i've been saying right he could have came to me and i would have told him that but she's like but i've seen it it wasn't fantasy it wasn't fantasy when this when that happened earlier and he's just like the time has come we need to see Al Fielder. and they start driving over there and you know he really should have had his supervisor um, because, you know, doing coke while driving, like, you definitely need your supervisor for that. No. Uh, but he is uh, trying to, like, do a line when he gets blindsided by a truck, right? And he's, like, thrown out of the car, and the vulva climbs out of it, and she crawls to him. And she's like, you will sit on the throne, right? She's like, did I make that up? I don't know. I don't know. I have to go see what she's saying again. But they, they're kind of, like, the they're, like, holding each other when the space-time continuum explodes. And... You know, bet your dollars to donuts like that. We're going to see him, this, the uh, image that we saw in the last episode. You know, probably, like, the soldier makes a lot more sense now. Uh, the futuristic-looking soldier. And uh, it looks like he'll be king in a different timeline. Oh, I'm so fascinated to see what's going to happen in the last episode. Uh, a little business to tidy up. We have a little scene with, a few scenes with Ingrid and Gregors. Uh, and a theory I want to go over that I was reading on Reddit that kind of blew my mind. So Ingrid and Gregors, uh, she is picking him up from the hospital, and he's grateful for that. And she's going to take him over to see Valentine, his son's grave. Uh, he was going to do that before the hoodlums came and beat him up. So he is on his way there. Or uh, they go there, and he you know sweeps off the grave, and uh, he's you know paying his respects. And he comes back, and she tells him that she's really thankful to have him as a stepfather. And he's really, really touched by this. He's saying, you don't know how much this warms my heart. So, really nice scene, right? And it leads us into where she's going to have a conversation with the family back at the house. And Marie's there, and Lars is there. And it turns out she wants to keep the baby after all. She does not want to have the abortion. And uh, it ends up, I think Gregor's is you know more at peace with it than he was at the, at the beginning it's kind of like she's like deal with it marie's kind of having a tough time with it but the theory i wanted to discuss was that you know we're wondering about el fielder's origin story and we're like okay who are el fielder's parents right okay could el fielder be ingrid's daughter and like after I re I read that on Reddit, and after I read that, I was like, yes, that uh, that's a hundred percent what's gonna ha happen, right? I mean, how could it not? I'd, I'd put the odds on it like very, very high that that's gonna happen. So uh, I really like that too. I think that's really wild. That would be cool. So I like I think we'll get the last episode. I mean, if we didn't have this damn space time continuum, is it possible that like maybe just like it creates two worlds and like we'll see both worlds? I guess that's an option too um but i think it would be really uh really fascinating to see some answers with this uh with this question so i think it'd be really fascinating to get an answer to uh the patronage of al fielder so i'm looking forward to seeing if uh, any of that comes comes true but i thought that was cool i thought that was a really good good theory i'm really curious to see uh what what will happen all right so those are kind of, uh, I think I kind of went through all the plot lines in the storyline, and uh, I'm kind of thrown off for a loop as to predictions, because 
I do kind of think that we're going to experience like a brand new timeline. Uh, but maybe we'll get some answers to questions in some creative ways as we go through the episode. But this one was wild. I think this was probably the best episode of The Foreigners. I think this is my favorite one so far. Um, I don't, you know, I haven't been ranking them as I'm going through, but this one had a lot of crazy things happening. Like, uh, the pre-scene was, I just wrote it was absolutely batshit, right? That was, that was wild and that was going on. Uh, so, uh, that one was stupendous. That was really a wild scene. And the other one, you know, Elfielder <laughs> shouting F the space-time continuum and going after Jack the Ripper, you know, amazing stuff. So... I kind of think we're going to be in a brand new world. And uh, people, they often put people in like different roles or like twist them slightly. So maybe Lars will be a criminal, right, in this in this timeline. John Roberts will be a cop. I think he was a cop before. I don't know. But it's going to be very fascinating to see. Everybody will have different roles probably. Uh, but I can't wait. I'm going to go ahead and watch that last episode and get back to everybody. And uh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to finish up the Beforeiner. So I'm... And I hope there is a season three, and if they ever do do a season three, I'll cover that too. But, you know, fingers crossed, the show does have a lot going on, and uh, it would be cool to, like, even see, like, they could do spinoffs in other countries, right? It doesn't have to just be Norway. But you saw that, like, they talk about their Norwegian partners. We know it was a global phenomenon. So, like, there's so many places the story could go. It is a really fascinating world. Like, as somebody who's, like, not a Marvel person, like, I wish this was the world that was popular <laughs> instead, of, instead of that, but, you know. You know, what can you do? I know it's popular. So, uh, don't flame me for that. Sorry, everybody. Uh, anyway, if you want to flame me, you can <laughs> message me at wakeupwinden at gmail.com. And uh, same thing on Twitter, at, twi at wakeupwinden at Twitter. At wakeupwinden. And, yeah, talk to me. I'm happy to talk about the foreigners, talk about any theories you guys have. Uh, really, really like what's going on. You know, the British police obviously are in the business of sending people back in time, and they're trying to control this time. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to backfire. It's not looking good. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for me. Hope you have a great week wherever you are. Take care. Go Beforeiners. <laughs>